The Ethereum Society proudly presents this series of podcasts in tribute to the 50th anniversary of the giving of the 12 blessings. The following podcast is on the sixth blessing. Blessed are they who heal. This podcast was recorded in front of a live audience at the American headquarters of the Ethereum Society in Hollywood, California. The co-hosts were the Reverend Gary Blaze and the Reverend Chrissy Blaze. I'd like to welcome everybody to this podcast on the sixth blessing of the Twelfth Blessings, and it is part of a program that we have of the recognition and celebration of the 50th anniversary of these sacred teachings and a mystic practice which was given to this earth. So it's really our pleasure to play a small part in this 50th anniversary, and I'm Gary Blaze, and my co-podcast presenter is the one and only astrologer extraordinaire, Chrissy Blaze. And uh, we hope to um, have the next hour or so to be one that hopefully we can impart some information and we can have a good time as well. But what we want to do is to actually start this podcast with the words of Dr. King, our master, as he briefly recaps the value of the 12 blessings, and he talks about how the importance of services, especially how it relates to the coming new age. So let's start this podcast just with a recap of uh, what Dr. King is going to say now. Mark, can you play extract number one, please? Now, just to recap a bit, this last few weeks we have spent time in studying these blessings and regarding them as essential practices, which they virtually are. They're not just given to us for our own um, amusement. They're certainly not just given to us for our own edification, not even for practice for our own benefit, but so that we can practice them for the benefit of all mankind. And this is the very difficult approach, but it is the only approach that will be adopted during this new age. The Aquarian age will stamp out selfishness on this world. This it will do. The population may kill itself. There is this possibility. In fact, it's a very, very great probability the calamity will come within a few years, killing off at least 75% of all life streams upon earth. Whether it does this or not, selfishness will die or will be transmuted into service by the great rays which will impregnate the earth for the next 2,000 years. 
this is a, a prophecy, but it's one that some of us can see quite plainly and quite definitely. Hence these practices. They're all given in such a way that we can be of great benefit to mankind. As a secondary consideration only, we do ourselves benefit too by being a benefit to others. So essentially, part of what Dr. King is saying, of course, is what, what we need to do is to transmute this innate selfishness that mankind has, for the most part, have so deeply ingrained as part of our way of thinking, a part of our actions, and part of our psyche, into selflessness. And when Dr. King was talking about that this is a lesson for this age and we need to learn it one way or the other, I think he's intimating the role of karma in all of this. We can either learn it the easy way or we can learn it the hard way. And it reminds me of a quote that Dr. King has said before in relationship to karma, and I think it's very interesting, where he said that karma is pressure, and that pressure is designed to move you, the mind, you, the emotions, and you, the body, towards you, the spirit. And if we take his advice by applying the teachings of the cosmic masters and the practice of the 12 blessings, I think we'll take a giant leap forward in our own personal evolution and karmic pattern. So before we get into the actual sixth blessing, let's look at a little bit of what Senku Ling says in the prologue to the blessings. As we know, he will talk prior to the actual giving of the blessings, sometimes giving instructions, sometimes imparting other information. And I think what he says in the prologue to this blessing is extremely important in the respect where he talks about the sacred practice of the violet flame that we in the Ethereum Society and other traditions use as part of our regular practices. Let me read a few extracts and to quote the Master Senku Ling in relationship to the violet flame. Senku Ling, this is the finest practice for all students of truth in these days. Think then this violet-colored velvet flame up through your aura and your body and make out of it a huge protective shell in which you can live in cleanliness and also continue with your spiritual work. And this next partial paragraph, I think, as far as I'm concerned, is the one that has the deepest meaning and the one that can prove more revealing to us as we progress along the path and we use the violet flame. And he says, the Master Sanguling says, if you use great power of violet flame properly, you can raise your consciousness and also do much good to your body and your mind and to your emotions and to your etheric and your soul. And this is good. Practice many times in one day perfection. Like a sun will dawn, then you will rejoice, for you will have found the great secret. Treat this in a sacred manner, for it is a very great, most holy practice. And I want to make it a point for those who don't have the text in front of them, the uh, great secret, the words great secret were capitalized 
And so obviously they mean something very holy, very sacred, very powerful, which is connected with the violet flame. And I just want to touch on a couple points about the use of the violet flame since we use it so much in our practices. And one use, obviously, and I'm, and I'm not, obviously, I'm not coming out and saying this is absolute truth about the violet flame. This is all there is to know about it. We're just going to offer a couple suggestions here, and one of them specifically would be for our own contemplations. When we use the violet flame, we can use it before our practices. But since we're talking about healing, let's look at the use of the violet flame prior to healing or prayer, which is healing on a world scale. So when we use the violet flame, we know that it's a practice of cleansing, transmutation, and protection. The way that I see the violet flame being used, or the role it uses in healing, is to help to clean the energy filter, or before prayer, through which this energy comes, moves through our aura, our emotional body, our physical body, our mental bodies, our spiritual bodies, and the energy moves through us and either out to the patient or out to the world. And you have to remember, our aura is filled with our thoughts and our emotions, our likes and our dislikes. And as this energy passes through us, this healing power, it's conditioned in some way by the state of our aura. It's like if I wanted to send water to a city and I was trying to send it through a pipe that had gunk and dirt and pollution in it and bacteria in it. As that water passed through this pipe, that pollution, that toxins, would become to some degree part of the water and go out and the people would imbue of it. So the role of the violet flame in one way prior to do your healing or prayers is to clean this energy channel, this energy filter, to act as a filter so that our pipes, our etheric pipes, our spiritual pipes are a little, bit, a little bit cleaner and our energy can possibly be a little bit purer. The second point I want to make is that uh, one thing that I find very fascinating and that we have been told that the effects of the violet flame is cleansing, protecting, and transmuting, right? But I think that we would agree that with regular practice and our own evolution over the years, the terms cleansing, protecting, and transmuting will probably take on a far greater understanding than what we have today. Practice is the key. And we know that we have within us an atom of kundalini residing at the base of the spine. But is there more to this mystic power? And what is this relationship to the kundalini and the earth? And I just want to read from a talk that Dr. King gave many years ago. And this is very, very interesting. When you raise the kundalini, you are calling not only on a force within yourself, but a force latent within the earth. So the great power of kundalini is strange, like truth. It is within man, and yet not within man. The power of kundalini is held directly in the life stream of the earth as well as being within man. Now I'll throw this out to you. Dr. King has said in the past that the color 
of the kundalini when it is rising up through the spine is violet. His last quote mentioned the role of kundalini and the earth. Now, let's just think about what might happen when we call on and raise the violet flame from the earth up through us. What kind of effects may it be happening? Does it have an effect on sensitizing our body in a certain way? We know with what Dr. King said, that the kundalini is uh, associated with the earth energy, the earth logos, the earth life form. We're raising her energy up through us with the violet flame. But this certainly is a point that it's something that I would recommend that would be good to spend some time in contemplation on. I'm not saying that there is a correlation, simply that it would be something really good for us to contemplate on because if we did, and the more power and understanding we can get through the practice of the violet flame, the better it's going to be for us. One thing I can say for sure that we won't truly understand the benefits of this most wonderful and ancient practice for a long, long time. But we can always start. We're going to start a little bit later today. Yeah, they say that one moment's practice is worth a thousand words, whatever the quote is. And in a few minutes, we're going to practice the violet flame. I think bearing in mind those words from our master, which were very interesting indeed when we perform it. But before we do, I'd like to say a few things about um, a sentence from the Master Jesus prior to the heading of the blessing, which we're going to play in a moment. And that sentence I'll just read to you is a wonderful one. Actually, it's um, two sentences. Make your brain live in everlasting thankfulness for experience. Make your heart live in everlasting praise for your divinity. And then, as sure as God, you will be a veritable God. I believe in the 12 blessings. There are many great secrets revealed to us by the Master Jesus, and I believe this to be one of them. When he says, if we make our brains live in everlasting thankfulness and our hearts live in everlasting praise, then we will be veritable gods. I mean, that really is an amazing statement if we think about it. He doesn't say, if you make your brain live in everlasting thankfulness for all the good things that happen to you. He says, make it live in everlasting thankfulness. And if we think about that really deeply, we'll see that it's a very profound thought because there are so many difficulties and challenges we go through on this planet. And our heart goes out to all those people who are really, truly suffering in our world. But The Master Jesus is telling us here that we will reach a point where if we make our brains live in everlasting thankfulness despite what is happening to us, despite the suffering we might go through and the challenges we might have to face, if we can do this, then at that point, we can be veritable gods. So this is a great secret, a great inspiration, I think, a spiritual path in itself, one of not just... Uh, allowing our cups to be half full or half empty, but allowing our glass to be absolutely brimming over with thankfulness for all experience. 
good, bad, indifferent, tragic, wonderful, still we should live in everlasting thankfulness. This great detachment. And of course, what I believe is meant by this is that we are then at that point living in a more divine way, more according to our higher selves. Our higher selves will be guiding us at that point if we live in this light. And um, St. John of the Cross, I think, experienced that. This wonderful saint was tortured, he was imprisoned. He had a terrible time. Uh, I think he escaped twice and he, he was brought back again and tortured some more. And one thing he said, and he was a wonderful poet and mystic, was there in the lucky dark, these are the words, the lucky dark, no other light, no guide except for my heart, the fire inside. And I think, I believe this is what the Master Jesus meant in a way. It's this... It's the fire inside. Once that illuminates us, our brains and our hearts, and we're living in this state of divinity, of thankfulness, then um, we will be as veritable gods. So, you know, how do we do this? It's, it's not an easy task, but I think it's interesting that the Master Jesus says, make your brain live. It, it's like telling us to take control, to become masters. It's make, it's a very definite instruction, if you like, make your brain live, not just sort of go with the flow of life, and to take control of this. Civilization, of course, points us in the opposite course. It's now, you know, urging us to sort of take things for granted, to expect everything, and it's kind of the opposite course entirely from what the Master Jesus is saying here. So, of course, it's up to us who are listening um, to these podcasts, who are practicing the 12 blessings to really take this to heart. So I think it's an interesting point. So now we come to the blessing itself, and we are going to play this extract. But before we do, let's join together, as I said, in the practice of the violet flame. Let's begin by everybody listening there, placing the hands, palms downwards on the knees, and let us spend a few moments in centering ourselves By going deeper within, just allow your breath to deepen and really start to focus your mind. And now let us think downwards to this wonderful goddess beneath our feet, the Mother Earth, who gives this wonderful violet flame freely whenever we ask. And let us now, in a place of respect, for this great being and reverence, request her violet flame to flow upwards, right up through and around your physical body and aura, and take this transmuting, cleansing violet fire right up as high as you can see it flow, some 30 or 40 feet above the head or more. Don't limit this flame and really see it and feel it cleansing you. And let us now listen to the second extract, which is the heading of this blessing by the Master Jesus. Please raise the hands. 
Remember when we send our love, as we just did by joining with the Master Jesus in this, we are helping to empower the group soul of all the healers on this planet, whoever they may be. And in this next excerpt by our Master, His Eminence, Sir George King, he actually describes what is meant by the healers. Those who give healing, either faith healing by prayer without understanding the scientific policy of healing at all, or those who give it from the point of view of a metaphysician, thereby understanding the flow of energy from themselves to the patient, are equally uh, blessed in this particular uh, blessing. I'm not going into the science of healing, although, as some of you know, it's, it is one of my foremost subjects, because it's something which I can not only talk about, but have have in the past demonstrated and can demonstrate any time I am now permitted. But I would like to say that whether healing is given by prayer or whether healing is given by deep breathing exercises or any other ritual, the power is the same. It comes from the same source and that source is the sun. Whether healing is directed from this room to the next or 22,000 miles around the world, it's the same power. It's the power that the yogis call prana or universal life force. Whether it's directed consciously by receiving it through breathing exercises or whether it's directed by prayer it is the power, same power, no difference at all. If the patient has faith and the healer has faith in God as the divine source from which all power originally comes, it makes no difference. If the patient does not have any faith at all and the healing is directed either by prayer or metaphysically in a more scientific way, in a way, it still makes no difference. You can give a goldfish healing quite successfully and give a cat, a dog, a flower, a tree healing quite successfully and these things cannot have faith in you. 
You can give a patient healing who hasn't, doesn't even know that they're being healed. In fact, this is often the best way to direct healing. Send it, send it to a patient who doesn't even realize what's happening. They can't put up any barrier to it then, or they don't put up a barrier to it, and so on. Or you can have a cooperative patient who lay down at <laughs> nine o'clock every night for 10 minutes while you send your healing, in which case great results will be brought about. But all healing is the same. But you see, here he says, Blessed are the ones who lay their hands upon the fevered brow of their brothers, knowing that their request will be answered, knowing that it will. If the healer doesn't have faith in his own abilities or have faith in God, then he won't do much. So he has to know either when he, whichever method he adopts, if it's very advanced healing, he won't touch his patient, but he might adopt the Tibetan method of, of getting certain powers by by hand signs, which is a, a secret method of healing given by initiation only, because it's far, far too potent to give out to the ordinary man. Um, either that, or whether it's through prayer or breathing exercises or, or, or however it is, the healer must have complete and absolute faith in his own abilities, or or, if it's a purely faith thing, as it were, in the source from which healing power comes. But it does come from the sun, and that's where it does come from. When we're talking about the healers, how do you describe what a healer is? Can someone offer their opinions on what they feel a healer is? or examples of being a healer. A doctor, a nurse, a mother to a child. A doctor, a nurse, a mother to a child. Okay. Anybody who wants to help another being or live stream? Good. Now let's look at, we're, we're all familiar with the type of healing when we're talking about laying on of hands. Uh, Elaine had brought the, the point up about if we have a desire to give service in some way, we have to, in some level, be giving healing. And the thing that we, I think is important to understand, the difference between giving healing and then being a healer, where we have to develop a healing awareness and a healing consciousness, sitting down, talking with someone who desperately needs some help, who desperately needs your time, who desperately needs your presence, your comforting energy, is healing. Helping someone across the street who is afraid, whose health isn't good, who can't walk well, taking their hand and helping them across the street is healing. We know the techniques of laying on of hands, but what's to really make the difference between giving healing and becoming a healer is that healing awareness of looking for opportunities in our life 
that we can become healers and not just limit it to hands-on or absent healing. A kind word, time, support, sometimes an unkind word if it's coming from a good space and constructive and heartfelt can be a healing for someone. So the important thing is to expand our consciousness of what healing is and become, with that healing awareness, look through it for every moment of our lives, whether it's seeing an animal or a plant or someone on the street or the bank teller in front of you. We all can send a little opening our heart and and let this love flow and send some healing to that bank teller across the street, the people we see on the on the sidewalks. So that's an important point, Chrissy. What do you think about that? Well, certainly, yes. And the Master Jesus says, going on into this blessing, thrice blessed are those who do this, that is, give healing, are those who work for no reward in this earth in order to bring some peace of mind to those who suffer, which really is an all-embracing concept of, of the healer, isn't it? Those, all those on earth who are bringing some peace of mind to those who suffer really is the important thing in these days. I want to make one point, too, when the Master had talked about uh, the source of healing, the prana, coming from the sun. And he's often talked in the past about how prana can be used in a good way or a not-so-good way. And what are we doing with our healing? We're adding something to this basic prana. We're adding our love. We're adding our compassion. And we're changing this prana into something magical and powerful. And I think it's an important point to remember that with our healing, with and that energy moves through us 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and it's being conditioned by our thoughts, by our actions, what we're feeling. And if we walked around, as Chrissy had mentioned, with that concept and opening our hearts and consciously conditioning the energy that moves through us with love, tolerance, understanding, compassion, and strength. Who knows the type of healing that we can do? And we probably won't know until we pass on. But it's certainly something we all should aspire to. There's another interesting point I find about this particular blessing. Because the blessing is concerned with healing, and healing is harmony, is it not? The actual blessing itself is a wonderfully harmonious uh, putting together of words so that they form a, a lovely flow. And especially this particular paragraph here, which I'd like to read to you. Blessed are the ones who lay their hands upon the fevered brow of their brothers, knowing that their request will be answered, knowing that great power will flow through them like water through a river course. I think this is such a piece of sheer poetry. It just astounds me of the beauty and the rhythm and the flow of these words, that just reading them, just hearing the Master Jesus say these words, actually brings healing. Because poetry, like music, of course the essence of a good poem or a good piece of music, not that I know much about music, is to have this harmonious flow. 
a good poem, in my mind, is almost as much to do with the rhythm and the, the meter of the lines, the flow of energy it imparts, as much as the words themselves. And um, in this, the Master Jesus has put the words together so that they form a flow, like water through a river course. You, the words just kind of are almost like water running. And this, to me, demonstrates that the 12 blessings are not just words, of course, we know that, not just great teachings and practices, but they are ways of invoking energy in a healing and harmonious way. And I think this is a wonderful example of that. So I just wanted to make this point. It's not just the words are being said, but the way the words are put together, which is so remarkable, really. And so now I'd like to introduce another wonderful extract about, um, from our master about the subject of karma, because, of course, karma and healing are intertwined with the old concept of karma, which is people used to say, well, that's their karma, you know, they're suffering, and that's their karma, kind of like, well, just wash your hands. But with the new approach to karma, which our master, I believe, introduced to this earth, or certainly helped to introduce to this earth, was that within the law of karma is a vein of compassion which allows that law, that great law, to be manipulated. And aligned with that, of course, is healing, because, you know, by giving healing, we, if the time is right, we can help that person to manipulate their karmic pattern. And in this short extract of two minutes, our master addresses this very important question of healing and karma. So let us please, here and now, decide to turn a deaf ear to the inactive sort of Johnnies who try to give themselves, note these words, give themselves an excuse for not helping other people by saying they do not want to interfere with the karma of individuals. No one can interfere with the laws of karma. This is not possible. The only <coughs> individuals who can alter the laws of karma in any way once that law has begun to operate are the supreme lords themselves. At the other end of the scale, of course, the individual can alter his own karma. So if a person comes along and asks for help and healing, it is our duty, it is our duty to give that help and that healing. So Jesus here puts a great blessing, blessed are they who heal, who relieve pain and suffering, even though all pain and suffering is a result of some wrong action, either in the, in, in, in the individual or, or in, in this or in a, or, or, or a formal life. Even so, we're all in the same boat, so therefore we should give our help. Well, I just want to say that um, 
sort of echoing what Chrissy said about the fact that our master really had made this a, a focal point of some of his teachings on karma, the fact that we are our brother's keeper. And this whole old Hindu approach to karma, it's your karma, it's your karma, your karma, we can't interfere with karma, and yet we still hear that today from people. In our healing classes, we hear that from people in the healing classes. Well, how does this go to fear with someone's karma? I don't want to interfere with someone's karma. Let that person suffer. It's their karma. And the lesson that the master tried to impart with that is, number one, first of all, we are our brother's keeper. Like it or not, we are our brother's keeper. We have a responsibility. And secondly, we never know when someone is going to respond to healing. You never know. It could just be that very moment. Your healing at that moment can make the crucial difference. The karma may just be right. Everything had just come together. And if myself or someone else hadn't come forward at that time to give the healing, maybe the moment would have been missed in some way. And we never know. We can't say, oh, I don't feel good today or I'm tired. A number of years ago, someone approached me to give healing after service, and I was really tired. We had been up late the night before, and I just didn't want to do it. And I did my best to hit out the front door, but it didn't work, and the person was persistent, and I gave the person healing, and the person had a broken leg with a cast on. And I felt my energy sort of moving about two inches out of my hand and just falling at my feet. I felt I absolutely did no good at all. The next day, the person went to the doctor, and the the x-ray showed the, the bone had been completely healed when she had been there the week before. And it wasn't my healing, it wasn't me, but it was the fact that I was there at that time and I was available for karma to work itself out. So we should never, ever feel that we cannot make a difference simply because we don't have the big results that we all would like to have every single time we give healing. I'd just like to um, now read the last part of this blessing, which is very interesting. As we know, the 12 blessings were not given to any one religion and not a political statement. But in this, the Master Jesus makes some very definite comments about the Christian church, and I'll just read it to remind you. It is indeed wrong of the so-called Christian church to turn the deaf ears of dogmatic limitation upon the feet of these ones, the healers. For these are the ones who will be instrumental in bringing the light of practice again into the Christian church, even though some of them regard themselves not as Christians, yet by their very action they demonstrate more Christianity in one healing pass than their devout brothers do in all their surface prayers. And I think, um, without uh, adding to the criticism of the church here, To me, it's like the Christian church has sort of tied itself up in knots here because, you know, they follow the teachings of Jesus and they know that Jesus performed great healings, that he raised the dead through his healing work. And they know that um, they are supposed to follow the teachings of Jesus, so it doesn't quite compute. So obviously this is a, a big missing link in the Christian teachings, which, according to Jesus, 
will be put right. And that um, as he ends this blessing, he makes a very interesting statement for he says that thrice blessed are the healers for they will bring light into my church for they are the ones who, when the time is ripe, will lead my church. Very, very interesting statement that the leaders of the Christian church will in the future be healers. So a very promising and inspiring thought, I believe. Certainly. (laughs) And in fact, I do know that healing does take place in the Christian church to a certain extent. There are priests, I, I know of one myself, who does give healing, but it's not a common event at the moment. Well, it's not common in the orthodoxy as the Church of England or the Catholic Church, but it certainly is much more common in the evangelical movement with the Christian Church uh, healing. Um, Before we finish with a prayer at the end of the sixth blessing, I want to read a question posed to our Master during a public question and answer session on August the 20th, 1972, and his answer. To preface this, as we know, the practice of the 12 blessings, the way that we've been taught to do it, we send out our energy to the focal points, and then we say prayers afterwards. The question, except for the 10th blessing prayer, all others are directed towards mankind and not the objective of the prayer. Why is this? Has anyone ever thought that? Some yeses, some noes. Rose has a wizened look on her face, so I knew she thought of that one already. But the answer, the answer of the master, and this is sort of very important because, quite frankly, I never really thought of it too deeply until I ran into this. Dr. King The twelve blessings are brilliantly balanced, a brilliant occult work, and the more that you know its meaning, the more you will realize how clever it is. When Jesus gave the twelve blessings, he didn't want to cause an imbalance, so he did this purposely, and it's very, very clever. He did this to bring about a balance. Actually, the correct way to use the 12 blessings is to use the whole of the blessing, not just the prayers at the end. This is almost an imbalance in a way, and the master accentuated in a way. That's why we always use a full blessing during every service, We may repeat a prayer that occurs at the end of the blessing, but we always use a full blessing during every Sunday service and gradually work through all of the 12 blessings. The 12 blessings is one of the most strategic occult works that I have ever laid my two eyes on on this planet. So it's very interesting. Number one, what we do, I think it gives a greater appreciation of what we do in a, in a service every Sunday with this playing of a full blessing. The master is illustrating the fact that the reason that Jesus didn't 
do a prayer to the peacemakers or to the wise ones or to they who love or the planetary ones after he just gave a blessing to them was for balance. And I think it's quite revealing, and we can almost look at the 12th blessing. We can look at each individual blessing in a, in a different way, in a new light. And with this, we know that we all know, as we mentioned, there's two parts to the practice of the 12 blessings, sending out the energy to the focal point and doing the prayer. I believe sometime there may be a general tendency to rush through this sending energy out to the focal point and almost jumping right directly to the prayer, like there's maybe some strange guilt in some way of, or thinking just rushing to the prayer, not giving that energy, sending the energy to the focal point, the importance it deserves. Because based on certainly what we've heard, we want to take an approach that has the most balance that we can. And therefore, when we do our blessings, spend as much time as we need to sending energy to the focal point and then put all of our heart and all of our soul into the prayers at the end. And remember, when you come to the Sunday service and we play that blessing, the reason that we play it is what Dr. King had said, is that probably gives it or does give it the blessing, the most perfect balance of all. So with that, let's do the blessing again, and we'll finish with a prayer at the end of the sixth blessing before we move to the questions and answers. And so let's do this balance. Let's try and create this balance and raise our hands. And let's say the heading to the sixth blessing. Blessed are they who heal in these days of great pain and suffering. Divine Lord of all wondrous creation, we raise our voices and minds to you now in prayer, knowing, even as we do, that this is answered at this moment. O wondrous God, we ask that the hearts and minds of man might be opened to thy presence, to thy mighty light, so that they may forever glorify thee, so that they may realize that within them beats a spark directly connected to thy wondrous heart. We raise our minds in thankfulness for the fulfillment of our prayer, for this shall come to pass upon this earth. It is done. Thank you all, and we open the floor to questions. Where can we learn more about healing? Well, the best place you can learn about healing is through the Ethereum Society, I believe. 
Um, we have centers around the world in the United States, Los Angeles, Michigan, and other places around the world where we are teaching healing. And this is a healing technique that Dr. King devised in the 19, early 1970s when he released his classic textbook, You Too Can Heal. And at that time, I was in England at the time, and the healing movement over there was quite active, but the philosophy of the healers in England at the time was that healing is a gift, and only a few people can give healing. And Dr. King came along with this book and revolutionized certainly the healing movement in England, and I believe throughout the world, by teaching that this is something that everybody, every man, woman, and child on earth uh, is capable and should be doing. And he taught in this very simple yet very, very profound way how anyone can do this. So number one, the Ethereum Society publishes a textbook, You Too Can Heal, and also gives very intense and very uh, wonderful courses on healing. And I will just say that I believe his influence on the healing movement has spread throughout the world. So now everybody, of course, is teaching that uh, we can all heal, which is a wonderful thing. He was a pioneer in this. So go back to the source. You speak of healing people individually. How can we heal the world when, for like the cyclones and earthquakes, how can we send healing? Well, of course, the same uh, technique that we use in healing an individual. In healing an individual, we are channels for great light and love to flow through us. And uh, we can use the same technique. You see, another thing Dr. King taught, as well as healing, was a prayer technique called dynamic prayer, which is a form of healing. And instead of prayer being a personal communication with God, he came along with this technique, which is an outward-moving expression of energy, a healing expression of energy. And through using this technique, we can give healing to the whole world. And also, he devised an operation, a global healing operation, called Operation Prayer Power, which, again, is held at various centers around the world in England, London, in the north of England, in the United States, in Los Angeles, Detroit, Michigan, and also in New Zealand, where people can cooperate in this global healing mission. So thank you very much for those questions, sir. I would uh, add to that the fact that what Chrissy said, healing and prayer are twins. They're two sides of the same coin. Uh, Dr. King often described prayer as simply sending energy from point A, the source, to point B, your target, and directing it by thought. And the fact is, is that just like healing, he echoed the fact that we all have the ability to be healers. And he all stressed that we have this divine potential within us, that we can change the world. We can raise our hands and send healing to the people who suffer in the aftermath of the earthquakes, of typhoons, of starving people in the world. We have these tools, and the fact that what we need to do as a human race is to be able to put these tools, these healing tools, these prayer tools, into action and then use them to be able to change our environment and change the world. 
And of course, we can use the 12 blessings in our prayers for global healing. And we do use the 12 blessings in Operation Prayer Power too. So the 12 blessings is a very central point of all our prayer and activities in the Ethereum Society. As a Catholic, uh, we close our hands when praying. How best do we get the results from the 12 blessings? When saying the 12 blessings. Well, Jude, thank you for that question. That's a very good point. First of all, both with healing and prayer, that we have to understand that we have energy radiation points in our hands, chakras, psychic centers, through which the energy will flow. The energy also moves out through our heart center. I was brought up a, a Catholic as well, and the old Orthodox thought of closing the hands in front of the body is actually a Tibetan mudra, which serves to lock energy into the body. We often see it today as a sign of greeting, but when we understand that healing and prayer is sending energy from yourself to your patient or yourself to those who are suffering on the other side of the world, you can't do this locking the energy in the body. So we need to be able to move away from this orthodox approach of prayer both as a way of just simply communicating with God into something that is an outward-moving force of great power. I just have to slightly disagree with that. I believe that all prayer works. You know, whatever your faith and whatever the mudra you use, it will still work to a certain extent, but it can be much more effective. It is much more effective by using this prayer mudra. If we send healing to someone that is not open to receiving healing for whatever reason, does the energy that is being sent, does it stay around the person and waits to be received by them, or does it eventually come back to us, or what happens with that? How is that transmuted? Thank you, Mary. When we send healing to someone... If they're not receptive to it, I mean, a couple of things can happen. If someone is putting up as an advanced person and is able to put up a very conscious screen to your healing energy, the healing energy possibly may be reflected back towards you. But for the most part, my feeling is, is that most people don't have this ability, wouldn't want to reflect the healing energy anyway. And most people may not even be aware that healing is sent. And so my feeling is most of the energy is getting to the person, whether they may be open to healing or not. Uh, If someone does put up a very intense dislike about healing and doesn't want it, then it certainly may have an effect on your healing power. But I think for the most part, the healing is certainly going to be receptive for most people. Well, uh, on behalf of Christy and I, we'd like to thank everybody, seen and unseen, who showed up. And uh, thank you for your wonderful cooperation, uh, interest, and good questions. A special thank you to our technical team, Brian Kniep, Mark Tassie, and the CD master-er, Richard Casada. We thank you, Richard, for these excerpts. And um, thank everyone for making being part of this Six Blessing podcast. Thank you.
kind attention. We sincerely hope you enjoyed this podcast. For further information on these podcasts or the Ethere Society in general, please visit us on the web at www.ethereus.org.